all across America and around the world. This is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. Welcome to Veterans Radio. I am Jim Fossone. I'm the officer of the deck today. We've got some great programs for you. I think you'll find very interesting. We always want to remind you, you can find more about Veterans Radio at its Facebook site or by going to veteransradio.net where we're on the web 24-7. You can find a lot of our podcasts there as well. We post new ones every Tuesday, so you can get a new story, a new interview, something you didn't know before by going to veteransradio.net. And before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors. First up, we want to thank National Veteran Business Development Council, nvbdc.org. It was established to certify both service-disabled and veteran-owned businesses. You'll find out how they can help your business by going to nvbdc.org. We want to thank Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans fights for veterans' disability rights all across the nation. You can reach them at 800-693-4800 or on the web at LegalHelpForVeterans.com. We also want to thank our latest national sponsor, Veteran Lending Council. It is a community dedicated to educating lenders, realtors, and veterans on the VA Home Loan Benefit Program. You can check them out on Facebook and other social media outlets. As the officer of the deck, I'm going to take uh, my prerogative, and I wanted to talk before we get into our interviews about a uh, recent, and I think, you know, soon to be passed and become a law. Right now it's just a bill uh, dealing with burn pit exposure. It's called... Honoring our PACT, P-A-C-T Act, Honoring our PACT Act. And the House has approved this. It's going back to the Senate, Senate for some revisions or technical adjustments. And then the president uh, has already said that if it gets to his desk, he's going to sign it. What it would do is allow uh, the 3.5 million or more veterans who have been exposed to toxic uh, burn pit fumes to get treatment and benefits that they've earned from their service in Iraq and Afghanistan in particular. You're going to hear more about this uh, if it passes. I'm sure we'll talk about it in the Veterans Benefit Hour with uh, Veterans Radio. But think about it this way. Currently, more than 70% of disability claims related to burn pit exposures are denied by the VA due to lack of medical evidence uh, and information from the Department of Defense. So this would make a big change where these become presumptive issues and and, uh, this toxic smoke, which really is a mix of things, uh, would result in uh, folks getting some VA health care. So still a little ways to go. Still we need some more clarification, but certainly a step in the right direction. And the other thing that's somewhat similar is there's a bill in the House to give PFAS uh, exposed veterans presumptive health benefits. This was reintroduced by U.S. Representative Dan Kildee in March of this year, but PFAS is a 
kind of known as the forever chemical. Uh, they're the chemicals that uh, are in long time use by the military for firefighting foam, fluorinated AFFF. And again, as that moves forward, we'll be talking about it more on Veterans Radio. But I wanted to talk a little bit today um, uh, about the Veteran Lending Council and some of the questions that might be raised by, is this a good time to go get a VA loan? Uh, I'll tell you that the VA loans are about 11% of mortgage applications in the United States. Bigger number than I thought. So there's a whole lot of folks using their VA loans. And sure, these higher interest rates have an impact on just home loans in general. But you uh, might find this conversation with our friends at Veterans Lending Council of great interest. And that interest is whether or not you are buying, refinancing, upgrading, whatever you might be doing, uh, there's probably a lot more flexibility than you realize. So listen in. We want to welcome to Veterans Radio today Eric Ensley and Andrew Cummings. They're both uh, Army veterans. We'll talk about that a little bit. But they also have insight into VA home loans, uh, both from a training standpoint and, an, and a lender standpoint, and then Andrew uh, from a realtor standpoint. So let's start, uh, Eric, let's start with you. You are uh, affiliated with the Veterans Lending Council and an eight-year uh, Michigan Army National Guard vet. Got to see a little real estate in Iraq and Afghanistan. You've been in the mortgage business for, oh, about eight years now. But tell us about Veterans Lending Council and, and what that group is trying to do. Sure. Well, thanks for having us, Jim. Um, like I said, my, my background prior to being a lender was, was I was an infantry guy uh, with, with time in Iraq and Afghanistan. And what brought me to doing what I'm doing today is ultimately my experience when I came home from my first deployment and my lender talked me out of using the VA benefit. And it was it was basically just misinformation that, that she, you know, presumably was unaware that the that it was a repeat benefit that you could continue to use. And so I was told to save my save my VA benefit for my big boy house. I was buying a starter house. This was two thousand nine. Um and the you know real estate market had just crashed and it was kind of chaotic. So I got put in the wrong loan program as a disabled vet. Um you know, the VA benefit, you can't mathematically beat it uh, as far as, you know, uh, in terms of other loan programs out there. So when I got out of the service, finished my degree, and started looking for employment, I got into lending. Um, I'm, you know, after after having my house for a few years, I, I learned that, you know, I was paying mortgage insurance I shouldn't have been paying. I was paying a rate that I shouldn't have been paying because I have a benefit that, that I didn't know anything about. So I've made it my mission to help veterans understand their benefit. Um, and then and then we took it a step further. And a year ago, we launched Veteran Mortgage Advisor, um, which is an arm of the Veteran Lending Council where we train, um, we train loan officers and we train them to train real estate agents so that together we can change the perception of VA loans in the marketplace. Uh, we want loan officers to, to be able to execute on the VA at the level that veterans deserve. And we want real estate agents to not buy into, you know, the myths that are out there surrounding the VA, ultimately leading to, you know, which veterans believing some of the myths out there. And then they, they don't realize that they're missing an opportunity by not using this benefit. Um, so we set out about a year ago. We fed, um, you know, several hundred loan officers through our, through our online training platform. And, uh, we do, we do 
a couple live events every year. So we're, you know, we're basically what I'm training people to do is to do exactly what I've done and get out in their marketplace and, and go to local real estate companies and train these realtors on how they can grow their business by helping more veterans, which is, you know, a twofold benefit because obviously they're growing their benefit, their, their business. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they're, they're helping those who, who truly deserve it. I mean, uh, there is just the amount of people who could be homeowners who just think they can't because they don't know how the programs work is astounding. Well, it's it's a great mission, and Veterans Radio is glad to be bringing Veterans Lending Council and Veterans Mortgage Advisors to the wider public as as part of its platform. And so, what we have on also, uh, we have uh, Andrew Cummings, uh, eight-year uh, U.S. Army and National Guard uh, veteran. He he also looked at some real estate in in Iraq and Afghanistan. Thought the climate was a little too dry for him. Came back to Michigan. Um, and uh, got got into the uh, real estate business. Uh, Drew, tell us a little bit about your background and in, in your work uh, uh, in real estate and uh, some training that you got regarding veteran uh, home loan benefits. Hey, yeah, absolutely. And uh, as Eric said, thank you for having us on the on the program today. Um, yeah, so I uh, you know initially joined the army uh, around uh, 2004. And uh, I've got some time in Iraq and Afghanistan, like Eric. Uh, him and I actually served together, uh, same battalion, and then uh, same brigade later on in Afghanistan, uh, both infantrymen. Um, it was a great experience for me. Um, it was just time for me to move on. And uh, when I did, I got I got home from my second tour, and I decided that I was going to buy a house, my wife and I. And um, it worked out really well. You know, we had a uh, we had a, a great realtor, thank God, that that did understand the uh, the VA process. And then uh, got into my home and was, was able to to save. Man, the uh, the misinformation out there about VA loans is absolutely staggering, as Eric was saying. So, um, and it really starts with uh, you know with loan officers and uh, uh, realtors. You know, the guys on the ground actually you know opening up doors for people. Well, it, it, it's I keep referring to it as myth busting because I kind of feel that's what Eric's team has to do regularly. And that's when, why when I saw a recent article in Military.com that said, oh, geez, you know, home, VA home loans are leaving veterans outbid in hot housing market, comma, lawmakers warn. Now I'm really suspicious. This isn't really fact. This is a bunch of, you know, guys and gals in Congress uh, beating up on VA. So uh, some of the reporting uh, deals with having to get VA appraisals and how much time it takes. You know, if you read this, you could see why it, there are misperceptions and myths that somehow VA financing is less desirable than conventional loans. And as I, what I know from you uh, guys is that's just not the case. So what I want to hear maybe from your side on the realtor side, uh, Drew, is are you seeing in a hot real estate market that the VA home process just doesn't work? No, that's not it uh, entirely. It's uh, really what it is. It's miseducation on, on the on the part of a listing agent, to be completely honest, um, and, and realtors as a whole, I should say. What I see a lot of times is, is people have this misperception that a, that a VA is like an FHA kind of a product and it's really not you know when I when I have to sit down and, and talk to a realtor and explain to them how how things really work and they go oh my gosh kind of see that that light bulb turn on above their head so to speak 
Um, and they go, well, I had no idea. You know, I thought it was A, B, and C. And I go, yeah, I know. I go, that's that's the problem with our industry. It's just there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation out there. Um, and I, I think, you know, a, a lot of people just think that the industry standard, it should be a conventional mortgage, and that's how it's going to be, and that's absolutely ridiculous, you know. Why would, a, why would a veteran go with a conventional product over a VA product when he could stand to save thousands upon thousands of dollars? And, and that, the, that myth is... Uh, it was reported in this article as part of the oh, yeah. survey they did in 2021 by the National Association of Realtors, where 94% of sellers said they're more likely to accept an offer with a conventional financing compared to 1% who'd say they were more likely to accept an offer with a VA loan. I mean, just totally lopsided about if I accept an offer with a VA loan on it, how that process is going to go. I mean, that... That had to be kind of glaring when you read that, and you knew from doing deals, Drew, that that isn't the case. It's absolutely not the case, and I would say about half of my business on the buying side is uh, is absolutely uh, veteran-driven, you know what I mean? Um, and it's just uh, it's it's crazy, just staggering. You know, pe- people think that it, when you show up with a VA loan, you submit that offer, that somehow your buyer is a weaker buyer than other people, and that's just not the case. They are entitled to that benefit, and they want to use that benefit in order to save them money. And in a lot of other circumstances, there are VA buyers that are way more qualified uh, than some conventional buyers out there. Um, I know Eric knows that, you know, to a to a T. Um, I mean, he's got all kinds of statistics and facts that are out there. When I when I took his uh, military mortgage boot camp class, I was just blown away when I, you know found out all that stuff and that was gosh three or four years ago so yeah, yeah I kind of... eric i'm going to ask you to summarize that a little bit because uh, the point Drew's making is and i think the survey reflected is people think if you have the va loan oh you must be a weaker buyer but it really means you're a smarter buyer because you're going to save money talk about some areas where where that uh, veteran is a smarter buyer because he's saving money sure well Part part of the problem is that the the lending community as a whole has let down the veteran community. Uh, you have big box lenders who can't think outside of the box. Quite frankly, the VA is a super flexible program that allows for really um, very involved, good decision making that can get creative as long as you can document your reasoning. So the VA is an, it's set lenders up for success in that we can take liberties and get loans closed, but then you get, you know, you've got a lot of lenders that do really good at marketing themselves as VA specialists, and then at the end of the day, you know, if if one weird thing comes up, they don't dig into the guidelines to get the loan closed. They just deny the loan, and they've created this reputation that VA has a, you know, has a, clo- a lower closing ratio. The other thing that you know that I would say, as far as from a seller's perspective, if if all things, you know, assuming obviously they don't know what I know as a lender. And they know the flexibility of the loan program. They know that you theoretically, I mean, you could be a very weak buyer in theory buying using a VA loan. Uh, one thing you know, I'll give some credence to is the, the conventional loan programs have, you know, they have pretty specific t- standards in terms of your debt to income ratio and your credit score. The VA has a lot of flexibility in those areas where if a lender wants to make the decision to write a loan, as long as they can document their reasoning, the VA will back them up. So in theory, Yes, you could have somebody who doesn't qualify conventional that does qualify VA, and so they're not necessarily as strong of a buyer. However, 
Those are the outliers. That's not the average. And the average is, um, the average is with VA, you know, VA buyers is that, you know, we have a median FICO score last year of 736 for, for, for the average buyer. We have a median household income of $90,000. Uh, I say household income because, you know, let's be clear, not all veterans make a ton of money. Some of, some of us just married really well. But the point <laughs> is, you know, a $90,000 household income is a solid income. That's significantly above, say, an FHA, which is in the 60s, um, you know, and, and has a median credit score of 672. Uh, you know, so from – from the strength of the buyer's perspective, you know, when you look at the when you look at the stats, the numbers show that if the VA buyer on average didn't have that VA benefit, they would absolutely be a conventional buyer. They fit that box. But why would they go that route if they don't need to? If they're putting less than 20% down, why would they want to pay mortgage insurance? And you know, not to mention mortgage interest rates. Government rates are typically about a quarter better than conventional. So if you get talked out of using your VA benefit, you not only might have mortgage insurance, but additionally, you might have a higher rate than if you were going to VA. So what the, other, the other aspect that I think lenders kind of drop the ball is if we issue a pre-approval letter and it just says, you know, uh, you know, Johnny Blue is, is qualified for this $400,000 home, and that's all it says is that they're qualified to buy it on a VA loan and it's zero down, the, the seller has no idea the strength of that buyer. So what we train loan officers to do is to, you know, try to try to make sure we're presenting and giving as much information as possible so that so that they know that this is not this is not the FHA buyer. This is absolutely the conventional buyer, but they have the VA benefit, so they're going to use it because it's a benefit they earned. And one of the things that uh, we've talked about before here on Veterans Radio with our friends from Veterans Lending Council is that you don't get the money from VA, right? It's not right. it's not that FHA loan. It is a VA uh, program, and they're backing the the private sector bank that's making the loan. Do I have that right? You have that right. The benefit that we have earned as veterans is that rather than having to pay for mortgage insurance to to insure the bank in the event that we default. The VA loan has a guarantee from the VA. So in the event of a default, if the bank takes the house back and sells it at a loss, the VA guarantees that, that loss up to 25%. So that's, that's the benefit we've earned. Clear, clear and simple. What people misunderstand is like you said, they think that it goes to the VA. They think that it's a government, you know, it's a government um, organization doing your loan. It's not. It's you know, 99% of lenders across America are direct lenders with direct underwriting authority from the VA, meaning nothing goes to the VA until after the file is closed. Somebody goes closing, or we underwrite the file in-house, we close on the loan, the veteran's happy, the loan then goes to the VA for the guarantee, but that's after the fact. As a home buyer, you never know that that took place. That's after the fact. But people get confused because there are other programs like, let's say, rural development that does go to the office of uh, USDA for approval during the loan process. All right, so it gets underwritten at a lending company and then sent to USDA, which might add another week to your timeline. Or here in Michigan, we have a first-time home buyer um, a grant benefit that's a it's a it's called MISHTA, and that goes to Lansing. After it's been underwritten by the lender, it goes to Lansing for their stamp of approval. So that can add time to your loan process. But for VA, it's you know, again we have direct underwriting authority. So if I you know if I brought in two loans on the same day, conventional and VA, 
it's the exact same process. I'm bringing in, you know, gathering all the documents, submitting it to my underwriters. My underwriting team is sending it back to me. If there are conditions, I reach out, get those conditions, resubmit for final approval. There, as far as the underwriting is concerned, the only difference is that we have, you know, that the one underwriter has to be certified by the VA as opposed to conventional, which is, you know, obviously does not. Um, but it's, this it's can not be, going to a different place. Yeah, this can be really confusing for the individual, and we're talking here about a veteran who's buying a home. It, and that's why you turn to professionals like realtors who guide you through this process and they're worth every penny and they work with lenders who know what they're doing and and you again um if you don't have a realtor who understands it he's not going to get you or she's not going to get you to a lender who understands it and is that kind of what you see drew that the that the the veteran you're working with who's trying to buy or uh, a home is really relying on you guys as professionals. Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct, and I kind of like to uh, a caveat to that. Um, not not trying to talk trash to uh, some of the professionals, or I should say, non-professionals in my industry, but there are quite a few people that do not need to have a license to practice real estate. The standards are just not there. So, what happens with that is people. You know, they get a real estate license, they think they're going to get rich quick, right? And they figure out very, very quickly that this is a tough business to break into. And they figure out, man, there's nobody here that's, you know, overseeing this. I'm my own boss. So, you know, a lot of times people just drop the ball when it comes to education, especially with VA stuff. It's just, it's it's abhorrent. I mean, I, I uh, most of my business is listings. Um, and, you know, I, I, will, I will take a, a VA offer any day. Um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't discriminate, so to speak, like a lot of other ones do. Um, well, it's so, got to be frustrating at your end when you run into yeah. somebody who, you know, usually the, you, you're, if you're on the buyer side, there's also somebody over on the on the seller side, and vice versa. It's got to be mm-hmm. frustrating when the guy or gal on the other side, you just know they don't know it. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, no, you're you're absolutely correct, and it's just, uh, you know. Kind of the blind leading the blind, so to speak, in that in that aspect. Um, I just, uh, yeah. Well, I got both of you guys here, and before we run out of time, which you know goes really fast uh, here, I wanted to come up uh, and talk about another issue because, as I said, when we started this, it was this Congress is looking into this, and there's all this frustration, and 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 I'm, I'm looking at it thinking. I'm not sure they're focused on the right folk. The, the frustration maybe shouldn't be at VA. But since this article came out, life has changed a lot for all of us uh, as the Fed rate for on interest rates have just uh, bumped up again. And so with inflation and uh, rising mortgage rates, um, Eric, let me, let me start with you. From where you sit with the Veterans Lending Council and understanding the lending business, do you see the value of the VA home loan program increasing in these kind of times or decreasing or staying the same? Well, I would say, uh, I mean, it's already a benefit if you purchase a home in the last three years or well, in the last 20 years, quite frankly, because anybody that had a mortgage in the last three years likely refinanced to something historically low. Um, and one benefit that we have as veterans on VA loans is that our loan is assumable. So as as mortgage rates go up, uh, we are in uniquely positioned to sell our house for a higher price than our neighbor because we can sell, uh, you know, I can sell my my home with my mortgage 
and I can have another veteran come in and assume my mortgage, uh, or I could, you know, I could I could go to a uh, sell to a civilian who doesn't have the VA benefit, and they could assume it as well. I, I would prefer if it went to another veteran so I get my entitlement restored, but I won't go off into the weeds on that. Well, we're going to uh, talk about that another time. I just made a note. Yeah. Okay, next month we're talking about assumability. Yeah. But go back it, to this. It is, it right, is a cool aspect, yeah, go, but, let's go back but, to this but, issue of rising rates and uh, things. Yeah. So as as far as as far as rates uh, are concerned, I mean we are they're projected to continue to go up. So it would you know it would continue to to further my 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 belief that the VA loan is the right loan program to be in because you are going to get a little bit better in, in rate on average uh, with, a, with a VA than you would with conventional. Um, but beyond that, I mean, the flexibility of the VA loan in terms of you know, debt-to-income ratio is easier to qualify on a VA loan. Um, you know, your buying power is a lot more. As price, as home prices have skyrocketed, it, you know, it, as a zero-down loan benefit, we are not having to keep up with you know saving for a down payment um, you know, if, if you were trying to save for 20% down to avoid mortgage insurance on a conventional loan, if it took you a year to do that, you lost out on 18% appreciation in the market. And I think the appreciation, while I don't think it's going to continue at that rate, I do think home prices are going to continue to go up. Um, so I would rather, you know, anything I can do right now, if I'm a home buyer, it, to, to get into a home, I'm doing it because home prices are going to continue to go up. And like, like I keep seeing, uh, across the social media spheres, you're not, you're not buying, you might be buying your forever home, but you're not likely buying your forever mortgage. Right. And I would, I would agree with that. I think if you can lock in a home price now, you will be happy that you've done so. Uh, if, you know, if you plan to buy in the next four years, I think now is the right time because the supply and demand issue is not going to be solved anytime soon. Um, and well, as far as rates go, you know, rates can either do, they could do three things, right? They could go up, at which point you'll be glad you bought now. They could stay the same, at which point you'll be glad you bought now because home prices are going to continue to go up. Or they could go down, at which point you'll just take advantage of the rate at that time using the VA interest rate reduction loan, which is an awesome benefit that you have if you've already, you know, purchased a home out of VA loan. So, yeah, I mean, the benefits are there. The VA is, is hands down the best opportunity for you to, to lock in the price of your housing. Because if you're, if you're sitting on the sidelines waiting for prices to change or rates to change, I can tell you what's definitely changing, rent prices. And they're right. not going down. Right, right, right. Yeah, the alternative, right. Drew, let me ask you the same sort of question in, in this uh, volatile environment, increasing prices, increasing rates. Um, how do you view the VA home loan program uh, going forward, do you think you'll be using it more or less the same? I'm hoping to be using it more. Um, you know, I, I always encourage a veteran to use their entitlement. Um, you know, these are definitely trying times, and there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of fear-mongering out there. You know, the last three years, all I've heard is the market's going to crash, the market's going to crash, you know. Um, but there's uh, there's still people out there that uh, still need to buy a home, you know what I mean? So I, uh, you know, I... I see it staying the same right now. Um, hopefully, you know, with this education bit, um, we can just continue to, uh, you know, enlighten uh, other lenders and other realtors um, to, uh, to the, what the VA has to offer um, for, a, for a veteran uh, as, as far as uh, the VA home loan is concerned. So I just uh, just going to keep plugging away at it. You know, I just, uh, just bottom line a deal for, uh, gosh, almost a $600,000 house. On the Brighton area, you know, and it's a VA deal, 
And I think we had uh, 12 other offers that we were competing against. But it, really what it came down to was just educating that listing agent. You know, hey, this is what we're bringing to the table. This is why my guy's using a VA loan. And then he goes, oh, man, that's that's incredible. And oftentimes sellers are, you know, they want to sell their home to a veteran. You know, yeah. hey, thanks yep. for your yep. service Absolutely. kind of a thing. Yep. So it's uh, it, it's worked out great. Well, I, I appreciate uh, Andrew Cummings, a licensed realtor in the Myland area, who's helping uh, educate people and utilizing their VA benefits for spending a little time with Veterans Radio. And Eric uh, Ensley, as always, we're glad to have Veterans Lending Council on Veterans Radio so you can educate the general public. And you've given me three good ideas for our next meeting or two. Uh, certainly the assumability of the uh, of the loan, the VA rate reduction loan you mentioned I haven't heard about before, and this uh, uh, locking in the benefit uh uh, issue is uh, interesting as well with increasing pricing. So this is the zero down portion of it uh, and how that impacts things. So Eric, again, thank you for spending some time with Veterans Radio. But we got so much more to talk about, but we'll do it again next time. All right. Thanks so much for having us, Jim. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jim. Well, I certainly found it exciting to talk with these guys and learn more about the VA loan program. We've got more things to learn, and we plan on bringing that to you on Veterans Radio. But before we go on to our next discussion on women in defense, um, let's have a few words from our sponsors. Military veterans touch everyone's life. I'm guessing right now you're thinking of a veteran, a close friend, relative. Maybe it's you. Even the toughest of us sometimes need help but don't know where to turn for support. You don't need special training to help a veteran in your life. Even small actions can make a world of difference. If you know a veteran in crisis, please call the Veterans Crisis Line, 800-273-8255, 800-273-8255. A message from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at one 800 693 4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. We also want to thank our sponsors uh, that are VSOs, uh, the Vietnam Veterans of America, Charles S. Kettle's chapter, VFW Graf O'Hara, Post 423, and American Legion Press Corn Post 46, all in Ann Arbor. If your local VSO wants to get involved with Veterans Radio, hook us up at uh, veteransradio.net. You can reach out to us. We'd be glad to have some more VSOs on as sponsors. We're going to talk about women in defense, uh, and I'm not talking about women who are in the military, although there's certainly a connection there, but women who are involved in the defense industry. Um, but this is a very exciting career opportunity for women on all fronts and obviously an important part of where they can serve the country. So listen, and I think you'll find this interesting. We want to welcome to Veterans Radio today, Carrie Mead. She has a very interesting story and career and is the immediate past president of Women in Defense, the Michigan chapter. So we're not only going to hear about her experiences, but she's going to put in context for us this organization, Women in Defense. Carrie, welcome to Veterans Radio. Hey, thanks, Jim. I'm so grateful to be here and have a chance to talk about women in defense and uh, all the different careers that women can explore in this area. Well, we have some mutual friends, and we just got done talking about those women, and uh, so I think this is a great opportunity for um, our veteran radio listeners to hear the voice 
of and experiences of somebody who's made an interesting career working with the U.S. Army. But it really starts uh, way, way far back. I'm gonna, as I just told you, I'm going to ask you, how did a nice girl like you uh, with a bachelor's of sociology from the University of Michigan end up in Army management? Oh, goodness. Well, it, you know, it all starts with this, with this kind of story, Jim, that I fell in love with a boy in the Army. Oh, uh, there you right? go. <laughs> so... Yeah, I had, uh, you know, had, had finished my undergraduate degree and uh, was pretty set that I was ready to go to law school um, and moved myself down to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and uh, was, had myself on the track. And then I figured out that, that that cute boy that I had dated during the summer was not too far away from me in Port Jackson down in South Carolina. And uh, after a couple of weeks and his assignment at Port Carson in Colorado, I gave him a call, and I'm like, you know, I was going to come visit you over Christmas. You want to get married? And he said, okay. <laughs> so There you go. You know, that That's where things went off the rails immediately. So, <laughs> But, you know, what a, what a um, interesting and fun life I've had to lead uh, and and not always according to my own plan, which has made it even, uh, even more, uh, you know, enriching. Well, you, you did some work for the American Red Cross. Um, you picked up a master's in nonprofit management. Um, and, and somewhere along the line, um, you got yourself uh, as a civilian employee in the U.S. Army, I think the garrison Detroit Arsenal first. But w- walk us through that because now you're a big shot. And and uh, uh, why don't you, why don't we start with that? What uh, tell folks where you are now at uh, Joint Base Meyer Henderson Hall? Great, yeah, I, I'm actually uh, serving on a great detail assignment right now with this crew here at the Joint Base Meyer Henderson Hall, uh, working as the chief of staff uh, for the garrison uh, here. You know, we do all the support to Army family housing. Uh, to the old guard, uh, we provide support to our, our partners on our fence line here at Arlington National Cemetery, um, and it's you know a, a great joy to provide for the safety and security of the folks here, as well as uh, get after all those things we do to take care of soldiers and their families. And this is, uh, as you say, a detail that uh, you've just started. Um, and prior to that, uh, I believe you were the garrison manager for the U.S. Army Garrison uh, Detroit Arsenal as a full-time position. Um, tell Indeed. us what yep. tell us what uh, being at the U.S. Army Garrison um, in Detroit was all about. Great. Well, so you know the U.S. Army Garrison in Detroit. Um, we always say if you've been to one installation, you've been to one installation. Um, but Detroit's really kind of a a, a unique location. Um, what we've done in Detroit is I served there as the Garrison Manager, and we've civilianized the command billet. So. Um, probably one of like you know, one of the I call it my neat party tricks is I'm one civilian in the in the army who can give out coins right because I I serve in like a command billet and we do the same things there you'll find kind of a standard set of services at at army garrisons across the world um, but our mission is a little bit different in Detroit in that we don't have kind of the same focus we don't have military housing um, but we have some interesting partnerships, right? We we do a lot of our family morale welfare recreations in partnership with Selfridge Air National Guard Base. Um, so while we serve in Detroit Arsenal there in Warren, um, you know, we also run activities out at Selfridge, like a golf course and a child care center and a marina and some, some different things to help support our military community. And that's really the key to all of this is it's that support role. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? 
Yeah, for sure. You know, the um, garrisons across the military installations are like little cities, right? We liken ourselves to being city managers. So, um, you know, that support comes in many ways. So in Detroit, I always say we, you know, we support those who support our soldiers, our families, and our civilians that, you know, do amazing things for our warfighters, right? Procure and design all sorts of excellent things. And the way that we provide that support is just like you would get maybe from your local municipality. So think of public works, um, police and fire and emergency services, um, social services, parks and recreation, um, all those things that you would expect to receive from, you know, the, the city or, or the municipality that you live in are things that we deliver uh, on Army installations on a daily basis. And in that role, uh, you're involved in contracting for, say, mental health services or other social services or education for for school-age yeah, kids. You know, Talk and, to and, us a little bit about that, if you would, Carrie. Sure, yeah. You know, some of the, the great things that we do. Um, so we we all have uh, employee insist- assistance offices. So, um, you know, trained social workers on our staff who um, are really kind of a triage, right? And, and I know you talked about contracting, but I'll tell you, we have some amazing partners uh, that help support us um, with you know with providing those services in our local communities right and that's how local communities can help their military installations um just reaching out and figuring out where there's those great um, touch points to support that community uh, come to play so you know we work with a, a number of different organizations uh outside the gate uh locally you know i'll, I'll call the care out as one of those organizations they assist us and are really active in helping us with our domestic violence and child abuse prevention programs. Um, so much so that almost on a monthly basis, they're offering prevention training for us um, as our partner, right, and to our, our local military families. Um, you know, the, the other things that you'll see, at, you know, Army Child Care is premier, right? There's great um, child care programs, uh, accredited programs because we know when soldiers feel that their families are taken care of, that they are, you know, more, can more confidently go about doing their job, right? So we get after doing things for them, like making sure we're providing quality childcare all the way from six weeks to uh, kids who are graduating from high school, right? We have a great middle school and teen program as well. Um, other ways that we support our military families, right? We have a, a greater Army Community Service Office. Um, we do financial readiness and planning for our soldiers. Uh, also for our civilians, right? It's important for us to keep our civilian workforce um, in good financial track, right? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of the, yep. Yeah, a lot of our folks who, you know, especially those who carry security clearances, um, that's an important part of keeping your, and we call it security clearance hygiene, right? Making sure that you're um, taking care of and, and cleaning up things is making, you know, making sure your finances are in order. So that's been a, a great program for both our soldiers and our civilians on post. Well, we're talking to Carrie Mead, who's the Acting Chief of Staff at Joint Base Meyer Henderson Hall, about women in defense and her career and sort of um, the interesting things that are done on the civilian side to support the Army in this instance. But I I wanted to point out to folks, too, uh, many of our military members would, would be aware of the professional military education that they, they go to and even maybe all the way up to war college. Um, there's something similar over on the civilian side, uh, a staff college that you participated in. Can you, can you just tell us a little bit about the Army's uh, work to make sure that civilian workforce is equally uh, up to speed and educated on these issues? 
Yeah, no, that's awesome, Jim. The you know the there's a very concerted effort on the civilian side of of the house for for the army to um, set up kind of a parallel training program for our our workforce, right? To get them through and and give them the leadership skills that they need, right? To move on and move up in our organizations, you know, just like you would uh, board for a you know for a promotion. Um, you know, we, we go kind of by grade on the, the civilian side of the house, and there's an Army Career Management Staff College that offers um, their civilian education system training. And it, they start at a basic level, right, for um, some of our, uh, you know, incoming graded folks, um, intermediate and an advanced level, and then some continuing education uh, classes that they offer as well. And what that really does is it, you know, it, much, much like military training that will take you away to a school for a little bit, these these programs are um, often, you know, between two and four weeks long, kind of get you out of the seat that you've been sitting in and, you know, help you sit somewhere else and see the world a little bit differently. So those are all handled out at Fort Leavenworth. And uh, and it's, you know, a, they're actually, you know, just just as you would try to get promoted within uh, the military side of the house, they're, they're wickets that you need to, you know, collect uh, in order to kind of move on and move up in the civilian sector as well. Uh, and it's it's an interesting because uh, I think most military members don't think much about that support and the level of civilian yeah. support they get because obviously they're so focused on their training and what they're doing uh, on their assignments on the military side. But I'm you know talk a little bit about being uh, a civilian employee to the army and uh, for any military service because I assume there's the same on uh, for the navy and. What have you? Mm-hmm. But but also from a, a female perspective, as as this has been a great career opportunity for you. But it's probably not one many school counselors talk about, or even yeah. people would shy away from because they think they're in the military. Yeah, kind of interesting, right? So I'll I'll um I'll kind of go to the middle to talk about that part, right? But I call it life's great irony that I didn't get my first real job working for the army till my husband had separated from service and we moved home to Michigan, <laughs> right? So um, I spent a good a good portion of my career working for the non-profit American Red Cross, um, which was a wonderful uh, experience and very portable, right? For a military spouse, you'll find Red Cross offices all over all over the world. So um, how did I get, you know, how did I get back here? And I, I wouldn't have known really or probably thought much about civil service um, until I kind of got back and went like, oh, yeah, there's, there's some opportunities here in Detroit still. I should, I should see what they have going on. Um, I think things are changing a little bit, though. So one of the things that the, um, the federal government is doing is they're really doing a lot of reach out now through uh, what they call their pathways program. Um, and it's really designed for folks who have recently graduated from college, uh, to come and join and, and look at civil service opportunities. And, you know, we're, we're, we collectively, the Detroit military community, um, are really making a concerted effort to reach out through all like the social media platforms and, and, and in different ways and make sure that, um, this next generation of workforce coming up knows and understands the opportunities that are available to them. Um, and, you know, has has the chance to consider civil service as a, uh, something that they're able to do in the future. Well, it's really important in workforce development that you that people get exposed to it, because how can they make a choice? I'd be interested in doing this if I've never been exposed to it. So right. um, that's why we really appreciate you coming on Veterans Radio to talk about your 
civil service here. Um, but also I want to transition a little bit to this broader issue, which is the group, but it really is the concept, right? Women in defense, and there's a Michigan chapter. And as you're the immediate past president of that group, tell us a little bit about uh, women in defense. So WID, as we lovingly refer to it, um, really is kind of based on a, a number of um, core principles or things that goals that we want to achieve. And one, it's creating great women leaders in the defense space. Uh, so we make sure to offer opportunities to um, help women grow uh, and learn and uh, you know, try to tailor our events and our training opportunities around those pieces. You know, the second piece that we're, we're wild about is um, building strong networks, right? So even as you talked about when we first uh, joined up today, you know, we're here today because my network is strong and one of my, you know, one of my battle buddies, Kate Melcher over there at Fisher House, Michigan, um, said, you need to talk to Jim. And she said to you, you need to talk to Carrie. And so here we are, right? <laughs> exactly. So, right. And that, you know, the, there's so much power in the network. Um, and there's, you know, for us, we say women, women in defense, so much joy in helping each other out, right? And using that network for our, our good superpowers um, that it's hard to beat that. And then the last piece that we do at Women in Defense is we really want to give back. So um, you'll see we have a golf outing coming up at, uh, in July that we uh, raise money for scholarship, and we've given over $160,000 worth of scholarships since we started our program. Um, we give out annual awards every year, our Horizon Industry Awards and our Excellence and Leadership Awards to really call out and draw attention to you know folks who are doing great things, women who are doing great things in the defense space. Um, and then we give back through mentorship. So we have a very uh, robust mentorship program where we usually put about 20 um, sets of, of protégés and, and mentors together um, and just help um, help people have broader experiences, right, really connect people across our, our defense space. I think what's really neat about women in defense, too, is uh, our membership is, you know, a lot of women and a lot of men. Um, and it's a really broad set of folks who want to support the military community. So while you'll see some of the, I'll call it the usual suspects, right? Like those of us who are work for Department of Defense or folks who work for big, you know, big contractors, you'll see, um, you know, a lot of bankers and realtors and folks who provide support to our military community who want to be part of our network and help build things. So it's really, it's really great to see. Well, and there's uh, programming that uh, you're involved with that would uh, one of them is to support uh, STEM. And again, we're in, in talking about here's, yes. you know, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. And if you don't expose kids, if you don't expose young girls to these career paths, they don't know they exist. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about some of the programming. Oh my gosh, just thanks for calling out STEM because this year was a banner year for our STEM program. Um, last year, Darren Sanders, our, our STEM director, um, had the great idea of, you know, trying to, we're trying to morph ourselves, of course, to a, a virtual COVID reality. Um, we mailed out STEM kits for our, all of the kids who signed up for our STEM program this year and then held a Zoom call where we put the kits together as a group and had a, you know, folks um, on on board to help you know help people with any problems they were having, and we we did a STEM project together in our in our virtual world, and we had such great turnout for that event last year. Well, this year the team upped the ante completely, and you know, there's I always call it the silver linings right of COVID, right? The things that we we learn from and and grow from and do better on. We partnered this year with the Wood chapters both in Arizona and with the Wood chapter in Boston. 
and we were able to expand that STEM event where kids from across the country came together uh, with the leadership and support from all of three wood chapters to to do a STEM event. Um, you know, and, and like you said, it's just it's we need to help everyone see themselves in that space, right? Um, I, I'll say as as a woman who works in the defense industry. Um, especially women in leadership, sometimes I'm one of the few women in the room, right? So we need to give folks the opportunity to to see women in that space and to see them doing well in that space, right? Or to to try new things and take some risks in that space to know that they have the opportunity to do so as well. Well, and always in an organization like WID, um, you're going to connect with folks and and uh, create some mentorship relationships or at least somebody you feel like hey i'm going to call up and i'm thinking about this career move or this piece of education to add add to my career boy i'd like to talk to somebody who's been through it before and this is the place to find such women who have uh, made their way into the defense industry isn't it yeah no doubt at all the um you know the I, I always laugh because, you know, it, it, it's funny, some of the old stereotypes that still sit around, like people like, oh, a bunch of women, how catty, you know, like, I, in particular for WID, you know, the the support of this group is just amazing. And the, the first time that you say, I need help with out of your mouth, uh, when you engage with the WID tribe, there's 10 people doing the, what can I do to help? Or here's how I can help you. Or it's just, it, you know, it's a joy to see, right? That getting that network together and, and creating that, like you said, safe space to um, to dialogue and, and try out new ideas and learn things. It's, you know, it's a, just a great community we've created. Well, I also got a kick out of the uh, one of one of the events just occurred, the Kentucky Derby event. <laughs> so if you think this is just a bunch of stuffy old defense uh, women, uh, I assure you they had some fun both at the Kentucky Derby event, the upcoming golf yeah. outing event, and okay, uh, hey, you you can find us on both Facebook and on uh, LinkedIn if you want to take some some looks at the fabulous hats that we found. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to for the Derby. That's it, it's Indeed. required. Um, how do how do people find uh, the WID Michigan chapter if they say, "Geez, that may be something I'd be interested in participating with"? Yeah, so our our uh, web address, if you want to find us online, is WID W I D dash M I for Michigan dot org. The national organization, if you're not in Michigan and you're interested, if there's a chapter that you can connect with, is womenindefense.net, um, and that will still lead you back to the Michigan chapter as well if you want to look for us that way. And then, like I said, you can find us out on, on social media profiles with Women in Defense Michigan. And there are chapters all over the country. Uh, you've mentioned uh, a couple. Um, yeah. But but maybe talk about that broader network, too, because you now find yourself down in uh, Virginia. Um, yeah. And, and in a, maybe a different role for uh, a WID local chapter. Yeah, you know, so WID National, uh, you know, has one, a large chapter that's here in the in the greater D.C. area, but the WID National organization also, um, you know, has a lot of programs that they offer as well. And, you know, the one of the great things for us is our, our vice president, Sue Tellier, is very active on a number of uh, the committees that the national organization has, as well as our director of scholarship, Maura Rylander, who is uh, active in helping with the national level scholarships. So, um, you know, you can, you're able to, to connect that way with the, the local chapters, but also help, you know, feed the greater women in defense organization uh, and kind of, you know, keeping us all aligned with, with our, our values and our goals. 
So if you were uh, uh, maybe a young woman uh, coming out of college or, or uh, uh, otherwise, and you're thinking, you know, I would like to work somewhere in the defense space, I don't even know how I would go about looking for a job or connecting in in that to see what opportunities might exist. Um, Carrie Mead, do you have any advice for people? Yeah, I know. I, you know, so the first thing I would say is this is, um, you know, the federal government hires using a, a tool called USA Jobs. So if you go to usajobs.gov and type in where you live and see what comes up, right? There's a, there's opportunity, of course, to find a lot of those defense related jobs in that area, but you'd probably be surprised at the, the, breadth and variety of, of things that the federal government offers, um, you know, if you're, if you're looking potentially at that life of service. In particular in defense, right, if you're local in a defense community or there's a strong defense community, you're probably going to hone in a little bit on, um, you know, those, those uh, you know, companies that are nearby. I'll say, um, interesting for Michigan, the Michigan Defense Center um, did a study a couple of years back as they were looking at their protect and grow strategy and mapped out all of the, the businesses in Michigan in particular that do business with defense either directly or as a sub or as a sub of a sub, right, for some sort of contract. And they hit pretty much every county in the state of Michigan. Um, so the, you know, the reach and the touch of defense in Michigan and across, you know, across the country is really, um, really, really broad. So it is. You know, yeah. I, I, I would check out those, you know, those tools. And then, you know, of course, if you're close to a WID chapter, I would definitely, you know, reach out to WID because, like I said, part of what we do is build our network, which gives you access to, you know, the chance to talk with people about, about what you're looking at and then meet people who can help you navigate uh, the path that you choose. We're talking to Kerry Mead, who's the Acting Chief of Staff at Joint Base Meyer Henderson Hall. Kerry, as we come to a close here, you and I were talking before we got started about what you get to uh, view out your window. Um, yeah. Why don't you give our veteran radio listeners a little little insight into um, that 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 look that you have every day at uh, work down there? Yeah, no, thanks, Jim. You know that what what I've been given or the gift that I've been given right now in doing this detail is I look out over Arlington National Cemetery from my office window. And I was telling Jim when we started that, uh, hey, there's a, a, a funeral coming out of the old post chapel right now, getting ready to make its way into, into the cemetery. And I'm on the lane where uh, the caissons from uh, you know, the, the old guard come through um, and, and help deliver our, our uh, veterans and soldiers who passed on or are being um, moved to the cemetery go by every single day. And, you know, it reminds me, I was saying it reminds me to be grateful um, and really, you know, have a lot of gratitude for the the service and the sacrifices that many men and women in our country have made to to you know keep our nation great. So, you know, it's a it's been a, um, a great pleasure to be able to be offered this opportunity to be here and um, be reminded so visually every day of of why we do these things and why you know why we want to take care of our soldiers and our families. Yeah, it's such important work. Thanks for sharing that. Carrie Mead, thanks for taking a little time today to talk to Veterans Radio. It's been a joy. Thanks, Jim. Those of us who've been in the service uh, and are called veterans don't often stop long enough to think about uh, those civilians who are so critical to the work that the military and the uniformed services do. So I'm glad to bring you Carrie Mead 
Hopefully you also learned some things on your VA loan and maybe some uh, opportunities in the future that uh, you can use with that loan, even in these challenging uh, times and environments. It's the summer season. If you get a chance, get out and mix it up with some other veterans. Get to one of these vet fests. Uh, we just had a great one in Washington County. We've got one coming up in Livingston County, another coming up in Ross Common. There's probably coming up in your area, too. So get out and enjoy that. Uh, Dale will be back soon from recovering from his hip surgery. And we're glad that you're checking in with VeteransRadio.net. Check us out on Facebook. And as always, when we're back again next time, we'll have interesting stories for you that maybe you haven't heard. You always learn something. If you miss a portion of the program and you want to go back, go to VeteransRadio.net. We post all these things on our uh, podcast site. We post brand new podcasts every Tuesday, so you can check those out as well as listening to the Sunday program. If it's Sunday in your area, maybe across the country, maybe it's some other time of the day. But uh, we really do appreciate all that uh, our veterans have done for us, and we're glad to be able to bring you this program every week. And until next time, you are dismissed. <laughs>